You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle and Katie Minichi. Hi there. Welcome to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle and Katie Minichi. All right. We are super excited to talk to you today for episode 65, Looking Back and Looking Forward. I thought it would be a great idea to get together again. We've kind of talked a few times throughout the year. Well, we've talked off the microphone many times throughout the year, but like we've talked a few (laughs) times on the podcast um, about how the year is going. And I thought it would be good now that we're nearing the end of the school year to talk about, you know, the school year and kind of looking forward to next year and what that might look like. Yeah. So let's first talk about our year. How about our biggest successes? What would you say your biggest success is, Katie? Well, you know, I read through your notes and I think it's interesting because we were in different teaching scenarios, but I think there was a lot of crossover in what you were thinking. And so Mm -hmm. I think, especially because three fourths of my teaching year was in person in a hybrid model. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved the small groups and the relationships I built with kids. Um, I was, I was really able to talk to every single kid during a 50 minute block and was really able to track individual growth in a way that I haven't before. And that was exciting. I thought it was really fun. I'm mourning that I'm still kind of in a state of mourning. I don't know what, what other term to give it, honestly, now that we're all in because now our class sizes are higher than average. So I went from having about 14 kids in a class to 28 or 29 yeah. and man, I miss it. And so, yeah, I would say one of the biggest successes was, was early on being in that hybrid model and just not being on sensory overload. Yeah. It was really nice for the kids. I really feel like there was a lot of positive growth in the music room, but also just some students that typically wouldn't thrive in a full classroom where I saw, I saw behavior issues going away. I saw yeah. excitement in the classroom that I wouldn't normally see. So that was huge. I loved it. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So speaking of large class sizes, I came to my school last week to pick a few things up and Nathan who was there, who is filling in for me at my school this year. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, Oh my gosh, is this two classes? And he was like, no, this is one class mm-hmm. <laughs> because and he said, I think he said something about 28 or 29. It just looks so big. Plus there were fifth graders. So like they already mm-hmm. look bigger and they're spaced out and there's 28 of them. Oh my gosh. Visually. It's just overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see the smaller. What about you? Being nice. Yeah. So I, I think the amount of independent work I was able to see from students was really great. I think because, you know, we had like about half and half asynchronous and synchronous. And so I was able to send them like Nearpod lessons or seesaw activities and really see some good independent work from them that I normally just, I'm not able to see in a typical music classroom. So now I'm trying to wrap my mind around like, okay, but how can I see that? Because I saw some really creative, just creativity from students that, and, and independence from students that, I don't know, just being really being able to see how well the students understand something in a way that I think because we're pressed for time, we don't have them as much. I saw the students more this year than I typically do. So that's part of it, mm-hmm. seeing them more. And then because they're at home and they're able to record themselves singing or record themselves responding to something like, I just loved that part of it. And I yeah. also really appreciated the ability to build connections with students, even though I wasn't actually seeing them in person. So just like, yeah, that's really cool. 
Yeah, just being able to check in with students at the beginning of a lesson or at the end of a lesson. You know, usually when you're like in person, you have one class coming to you and then the next class is right after. That's typically how our schedules are. The next class is right after. So like, it's just a switch, right? So like they go out the door, the next class comes in. But with this, it's like, I might let a class go, but then one kid might stick around to show me their stuffed animal or to show me their Lego creation or to show me their yeah. dog or to play something for me on the piano or whatever. So that was really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around how to kind of keep that going forward. But yeah, it was, it was really cool. All right. This year was a challenging year. <laughs> Even though we're talking about all the good things, definitely challenging. So what was your biggest challenge? You know, I think the biggest challenge was keeping track of all the in-person protocols and knowing that at any time, if the pandemic shifted, it would shift our teaching model. So just keeping track of change, I think was kind of white noise all year, you know, in this way that really wears you down. I mean, Yeah, I tried so often to remind myself and I think I brought this up in an earlier conversation that it's an and not a but like almost every day, it is okay that I feel burnt out. And I love teaching, you know, that like just keeping that focus when also trying to make sure everything was wiped down and that students were wearing their masks properly. And our district, I think was so supportive from an employment standpoint, but being science politicized was just really, really wore me down. (laughs) And so, you know, I also had to be really careful. I'm a board of education meeting junkie. Mm -hmm. I watched the meetings and listened to those even when there isn't a pandemic. And I had to be really careful not to let myself internalize some of the parent comments and Mm -hmm. things like that, because we had very differing opinions about whether or not those protocols were necessary. And it was hard for me. I I had to try really hard not to seek out which parents felt which way because they didn't want to take that out on the kids. So none of it was about teaching and none of it was about children. It was all about just constant change and and trying to stay informed, but not let it hurt me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's really interesting because I didn't really see the parent side of it as far as parent frustration, because the parents whose students I'm teaching opted into this model. They wanted to be for, you know, first the the semester and then the whole year. So I think overall, like I was just hearing good things from parents, you know? Yeah. Because they, and we were hearing you're an essential worker, just show up to work. Yeah. Which was a hard message, you know, at one point, and this is actually to the how do I want to say this is a positive to this parent, even though we didn't agree. But at one point, one of the students who just was never wearing the mask properly, the classroom teacher ended up taking some recess minutes and contacted the mom. And I have to commend the mom for being honest and just saying, you know what, I should have prepped that student better, my child better. We don't believe in masks, so he never wears them when we're at home. And I should have told him that he needed to play right. And, you know, at at least she didn't yell at the teacher. Right. (laughs) But it was just like, oh, cool, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I honestly think it was probably the most lovely response she could have given. Yeah. But also it was like, oh, man, what are you guys doing at home? And uh, yeah, yeah, those are, those are hard conversations. Yeah. And it really is hard how, like you said, science has become politicized. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I know that's not really what we focus on here, but 
it's hard not to this year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what about your challenges? I think the biggest one is just not being able to hear them sing together. I mean, Mm -hmm. I can, but what happens is it's really messy. And I'll say that to them, like, okay, we're going to try with our microphones off and it's going to be messy because we all have different computer speeds, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like anytime it was a student's birthday, I would be like, do you want us to sing happy birthday to you? It's going to sound messy, but we can do it. And they'll be like, sure. So we'll sing happy birthday. And it's like, you know, a hot mess, but I just really look forward to being able to hear kids singing together for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like, because so much of what I was doing was digital, there was so much linking. I know I've talked about this before, but just, I was just thinking about this yesterday because I was creating all of my Microsoft Teams links for the next school week. And then like, like once you create them, then you have to go in and you have to make sure the settings for each one are okay. And then you have to copy that link and put it into Schoology in two different places. Like it's just just a process. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I only have to do this a few more weeks. Thank God. Like there's, there is a Mm -hmm. lot of this year that has been really cool and I've really enjoyed, but the linking, you know, and just worrying, like there was one time a few weeks ago, I've been pretty good about not making big mistakes with the links. Like it's so easy. It would be so easy to make a mistake. Uh So like every Monday morning or sometimes Sunday evening, I'll check all of my links for the next week, which I learned through making mistakes that I needed to do that because it's really easy to make mistakes. But like I checked and everything looked fine. This was a few weeks ago. And then like I opened up the room and nobody was there, which is not usual. Like usually when I open up the room, there's, you know, easily eight kids there or at least five, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and then more will come in in the next few minutes and nobody was there. And I was like, Oh, I should probably check and make sure everything's okay. And I checked and I had linked to the settings for the meeting and not the meeting itself. <laughs> oh. And I don't even, I don't even know how I did that, but I, fixed it. And thankfully these, uh, something that I really appreciate is these students have gotten really good at technology and at problem solving because I fixed it. And I mean, I'm fixing it as the meeting is supposed to start. Sure. I think kids just knew well enough to like refresh the page. Like if it wasn't working, they refresh the page. And then I had, you know, the time five minutes had passed. I think I had all of the kids there that I was expecting. So that's great. Yeah. But that's a little bit, that makes you feel a little bit frantic, just checking all the links and making yeah. sure and in the right place. I have the benefit. I do link everything because from the beginning of the year, I just wasn't confident that we weren't going to get shut down again. Mm-hmm. So I've been in the habit of linking everything in our district's platform. But if something isn't working, I have all the kids right in front of me and I'll just fix yes. it in front of them and right. they hit refresh. So that panic isn't there for me. But man, if they were in their own homes, I would be so worried. Yeah, but so I, I think I can't. It, most of the time they figure it out either because their parent is there or because they've just gotten good. Like, yeah, you know, they a lot of them know like, oh, wait, if my microphone isn't working, or if I can't hear Mrs. Miracle, I just need to leave the meeting and come back. And I have said that to them, you know, sometimes kids will be like, sure. I can't hear you. Okay, try to leave or I, I've had to get a dry erase board. If they say they can't hear me, then I can't tell them, okay, yes. well, this is what you need to do because they can't hear me. <laughs> I have a dry erase board and I've been writing on it like so-and-so try to leave the meeting and come back and I'll hold it up. Like I could also use the Mm -hmm. chat, but then I ended up (laughs) disabling the chat because the chat was an issue with some students. I don't know. I mean, that's like a whole other thing, but some students were using it to just like be silly. And some students were maybe not being as kind as they could 
to right. students, like just being a little bit snippy. And, you know, we had conversations about how to use the chat properly and all that good stuff. But yeah. at some point I was just like, oh, I can disable it now. I'm going to do that. <laughs> cool. So yeah, just, you know, tech issues. But like I said there, I mean, it's like, okay, so our daughters, Nina and Macy have been often playing um, Minecraft together and they have gotten, yeah. I don't know how much you've seen this, but they've gotten good at solving tech problems too. It seems like it. Yeah. They're often playing before I get home. Yeah. But so. I'll listen to them and they'll be like, oh wait, it's not working. We'll try to disconnect the Wi-Fi, then reconnect the Wi-Fi. And then they do that. Oh wait, it's not working. Try to restart your iPad. Like they go, it's like they're <laughs> IT specialist and they go through the laundry <laughs> list of all the things that you need to try and then it works. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It's great. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if, if there's something we can take from this, like kids being self-sufficient is pretty awesome and being problem solvers. I remember having the thought before the pandemic, often I would have the thought about, you know, what are some ways that we can build up student resilience and student mm-hmm. problem solving? Because so often they would just come to us and be like, well, I can't find a pencil or I can't do this or I can't do that. And the pro- mm-hmm. solution would might be there right there in front of them. But now I feel like they've had to find those solutions you know, out of necessity. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's why when I hear really in education, but outside of education, I hear some parents or groups saying, well, how will we catch up this, this group Mm -hmm. from this year, the law, right? Yeah. And I just think I have an eight-year-old who manages her own schedule. There's no loss there, you know? And I realize that there's, I realize that I'm speaking from a place of privilege too. So you know, I will say she also has every resource at her disposal right. for her to be successful. Right. So I know that there are many kids out there where there is huge loss yes. because they just don't have what they need. Right. However, I think I would like to believe that there's a very large population of kids that have actually gained some grit from this experience. Yes. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I also realize that that's a hugely privileged position for me to no, be that's in. that's a really but good point. That is a good point. But I see so much growth from my kid. I mean, she's just able to do so much on her own. And that's cool. I couldn't do that when I was eight, you know? Right. All right. So what do you think if you could choose one thing that you will change because of what you learned this year, as you look forward to next year for myself, I want to definitely incorporate more choice, more small group work, more individual work. I actually just interviewed Ashley and Sarah. That yeah. as we're recording this, the podcast has not hit the airwaves yet, but it will this upcoming week. We talked about this, that like before the pandemic, there were sometimes lessons where we were like 50 minutes in front of the students, whole group teaching the whole time. And because of what distance learning has taught us, we realize the importance of students being able to make their own choices. And I was getting to that point, like I was starting to you know, Mm -hmm. definitely infuse more choice and infuse more small group work and individual work before all of this happened. But now, especially after what I've learned this year, and we've talked about this before, like splitting up 25 minutes, whole group teaching 25 minutes, like centers or small group work or individual work, I think would be a really nice blend. So I definitely agree. Want to, and not, not just like, I guess I just want to be more intentional with that. Like really think about it in every lesson. Am I doing that? 
you know, Mm -hmm. what about you? Yeah, I think I finally have found a stride for myself and my own planning and, and execution to plan for process time. And again, that is that blend of whole and small group instruction or whole to individual, right? Yeah. So for example, we just in third and fourth grade, it's pretty heavy in our standards to introduce the families of instruments, which a lot of us save for the spring because it's a good time to do that. The kids are on the mindset where... They might need a little bit more of a brain break. It's testing season. And so with Nathan, actually, uh, who is at your building this year, he and I worked together to make these really fun, interactive, virtual instrument rooms for the kids to click around and listen to different instruments. And I found it was really great to start together because we had these science videos that explained how the instruments made sound Mm -hmm. for each instrument family. So they were seeing that same room on the main screen. I don't have a ViewSonic or a smart board in in my current classroom. I just have a screen still I'm projecting on. So I projected that onto the screen and then they had access to that very same resource and seamlessly just went to individual work time, put their headphones on and they got to choose which instruments they listened to. And then within our our page, I had a little conversation thread already set up with purposeful questions that they could answer and interact. And then just went right back to the next part of the lesson and made music in a different way. So really think giving that choice also gives them the opportunity to process an idea. And I don't know that I've always given enough time for kids to truly process on their own what the idea is. Right. So I think that that's going to be really fun to be able to continue to, to blend and use technology as that processing tool. That's awesome. Yeah. So what about this summer? What do you think you're going to do this summer to adapt and to prepare for the next school year? In my notes, I wrote in capital letters, heal. (laughs) Peel? It's just time to let, yes. I just feel like there's just been trauma this year. Mm -hmm. It's, It's been a traumatic year. Like even if we're okay, that white noise is not okay. Like it's just time to go home and heal in my little cocoon. Oh, heal. I'm sorry. I thought you said heal, heal. Yes. Not like my dog needs to heal, (laughs) but H-E-A-L. Got it. In all capital letters. Yeah. Yeah. I even chose, you know, you and I are both working toward salary advancement as Mm -hmm. as many teachers often are in the summer. And I have discovered learner's ed. Me too. Which I know. Yes. And so I was looking at courses because you and I both took a really great Google course earlier Uh in the year. And this time I chose to take an anxiety course. Oh, and I just thought this will be kind of good for me too, because it's really about awareness of anxiety in our students. Right. But, but I thought, you know, it'll be good for me as well. And in going from hybrid to all in one of the things that has been most eye-opening to me, as I mentioned before, is just the sensory overload that I've seen in students that were thriving in the smaller groups and are kind of crumbling a little bit in those mm-hmm. really big classes where they're just not getting what they needed. And that's um, such a hard transition too to go from like a class of 14 yeah. socially distanced masked to a class of 28 socially. And distanced. I also think that anxiety is going to be high for those kids that really felt served at home yeah. because our district is not going to continue the virtual option. So, you know, I thought it would be good for me and good for my family. My daughter also will not have been in a traditional classroom for almost a year and a half and she's going to enter third grade going back 
to her classroom. So, so I chose to take an anxiety course and then I'm excited to take your course. I'm going to take your center's course. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm excited about that. It's just normally I really will try to curate my own PD to be very specific and actionable to the music room. And this summer, I kind of gave myself more grace to just say, well, maybe I do need to focus on anxiety and (laughs) some other things that maybe I haven't thought about. And we can link to that specific course in the show notes, Yeah, which if you go to Mrs. Miracles Music Room, dot com slash podcast and then look for episode 65. We'll put the link there. That sounds like a great course. I can also link to the Learner's Edge Google course too, because we both really that was really good too. Yeah. Like I feel really comfortable before the course I I felt very comfortable with Google. I'm not Google certified, but I've you know done so much in Google I felt confident, but it did have some like advanced, like, Ooh, I've never thought to do that. Like use your own adventure Google form. I was super excited to figure out how to do that. And just to organize my Google drive better. Like that's my Google drive was a mess. So, and I still need to organize it, but I started to get it in order and it's so much better. I'm, I'm learning to spend some time, carve out time in the summer to clean up my files the same yeah. way I would reorganize my manipulatives and clean up my classroom. Yes, because right? we have so like, much digital stuff yes. now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what about you? You're busy. I am. I am going to take another Learner's Edge course. This one is about PBL in the digital world. So I'm excited cool. about that. And I'm taking the Dominican course. You're taking that too, right? Yes. I think I'll do that kind of in conjunction with your course. Okay. So yeah, I'm taking the Dominican course to, you know, adapt my materials and kind of infuse more student choice. But then yes, I'm running this centers course. I believe I am opening up the course on June 15th. I just decided that for sure, like yesterday. So, (laughs) Um, so it's going to be a course all about music centers and how to do them in a traditional classroom, as well as how you might do them if you still have regulations in place, because a lot of districts Mm -hmm. probably will have some sort of regulation in place. Like maybe people can't share materials or you can't play recorder yet or whatever that might be. So um, I'm creating that course right now. And and I'm excited about it because I'm learning from it as I create it, you know, and I'm really like, yeah, thinking about next year too. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. All right. What about new tools that you want to research? Like, is there a tool that you've just heard about or one that you haven't really been able to use this year, but you want to, you know, not really, but I think what I've embraced finally after all this time is Schoology. Mm -hmm. That was my, it's my new old tool. Yeah. Just that I have connected so much better with my students just by embracing what the district platform is. Yeah. So I think going forward, I'll continue to use it and continue to upload my lessons because it's been so endeared to so many students who come in excited to tell me, oh, I know that you put your lessons, like you usually upload those on Monday or on the A day or whatever. So I took a sneak peek of what we're doing this week or I went home I know it's so sweet. Or, you know, I went home and taught my mom one of our songs because I knew it was an Archaeology course. Or they'll send me Schoology messages because it's way easier than trying to remember my email address that will be like, can we learn this song? Or can we come back to this song? Because I really loved it. Yeah. Can we try it on the xylophones next? It's so cool. So it's an old tool, but one that 
I really was reluctant to use and um, not because I don't like technology, but because I just really hadn't embraced Schoology. So I'm owning it now. Yes. And I think before all of this happened, I know for me, when I was using Schoology, I just didn't understand all all that it could do. So I understood the very basics. And so I was using it in that way, in a very basic way. But then once I figured out how to like embed Google Forms and embed Google Slides and embed Footgrids, like then I realized, oh, wait, there's so much more that you could do with this. Yep. You know, and I I think it's also beneficial that our entire district was asked to do it. A lot of times when you're introducing new technology, especially in the music room, if it's not something that kids have had access to, you end up having to take away music making time to teach the tech. Yes. And because we all embraced it at the same time, I think it's just been so much more pleasant to be embracing that technology because we didn't have to teach the platform. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When the, so, but yeah, yeah, it can do a lot. The district, I think last, I want to say last summer sometime came out with kind of a directive of like, it wasn't even like, please use Schoology. It was like, we are going to use Schoology. And I was excited when I got that message because yeah, like before that, it was kind of hit or miss whether a student would be comfortable using Schoology. And now we know. Agreed. Yeah. And and that's going to be really beneficial bringing back our virtual students because I feel like that's a place that they will feel super confident. Yeah. So if we continue to use that tech, that's a, that's a way to rebuild their confidence in the classroom because they can be leaders then because they're going to know even more than our traditional students right right now. Yeah. And so I feel like it'll make them feel a little bit better coming back. I think that's a good point. Yeah. What about you? I think, yeah, I'll definitely like really, I've, I've learned so much about Schoology, which has been great. And I think even like I was using Google slides before all of this happened, but now I'm really comfortable with Google slides. So like choice boards have been so fun to use. So I definitely, definitely want to keep using those, but then two new tools that I did just hear about actually one from Sarah, look it and GimKit are two that I just okay. want to play around with. Have you heard of either one? I think Sarah mentioned one of them because she sent me a really cool resource and I had to, I think, set up a look at account. Yeah, I was going to say be able to see it. it. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's like a quiz platform, I think. So it's kind of like quizzes and Kahoot, but I don't think okay. it's, I don't think it's purely quizzes. It's kind of like a game and a quiz tied in together. I don't know if the same is true for GimKit. I haven't totally checked that out yet, but I just want to explore uh, this summer, I, you know, for the hours I have to do for the Dominican anyway, I can log yes. it as I, as I learn. So um, what is GimKit? I think it's also a quiz platform, but that okay. one I, I think that one might be paid. Like, I don't know that there's a free, maybe there's a free trial and I could just sign up for a free trial so I can see if it's something yeah. to use, but I don't think it's purely free. So I'll have to look into that. But then like, as far as tools that I learned this year that I want to keep using Seesaw, I really dove into Seesaw this year because, okay, so like grades one through five, totally just used Schoology. But then the kindergarten CDL team, which is what we call our committed distance learning team, mm-hmm. the students who are all over, or the teachers who are teaching the virtual students, um, which I'm, I'm also a CDL teacher, the kindergarten CDL team went to the administration and asked if they could use Seesaw and they were approved to do that. So once I found that out, I was like, oh, I've been wanting to use Seesaw. So this is a good reason. I should just try to dive in and figure out Seesaw. And I've really liked it. Like the ability to give feedback 
is really, it, it really rises to the top when you just look at that alone. The ability to give feedback has been awesome. That's cool. I, when I first learned about Seesaw, I kind of learned about it being more of like a parent communication tool, like almost like a student portfolio. Like you could, you know, kind of send home what the students were doing. And for sure you can do that with Seesaw, but I mm-hmm. really enjoyed just the feedback and the amount of kindergartners that I've heard solo sing this year is amazing because so it's cool. so easy for them to just record onto the slide. So like, let's say I have like a fast or slow seesaw, then they listen to audio and circle, whether it was fast or slow on the next slide, they do the same, they circle it. So they use the pen tool and then they might have a slide where they have to say engine engine or sing apple tree, either fast or slow. You know what I mean? Like, fun. yes. So that's been great. And I, so I'm trying to wrap my mind around how I could do that. Cause I think it would work really well in centers, but I also think like if students are one-to-one, I could have them use it. I could have students pulled out a few students at a time to work on Seesaw. I definitely still want to use it. And then Nearpod has been great. I've delivered mm-hmm. for, grades, for grades one through five, I delivered most actually, I shouldn't say grades one through five, I should say grades one through two, I delivered my lessons in Nearpod, although some of my first graders also use Seesaw. So depending on the class, sometimes I was doing using Nearpod and sometimes I was using Seesaw. But I think Nearpod would be great for subplans once we go back to more of a tradition. Okay. Thing. Yeah, I think it could be something where like, maybe the students have their Chromebooks with them, or maybe the teacher is just projecting a Nearpod, and they're going through it yeah. together. And it has videos of me. I have so many videos of me now. <laughs> I, I never know, had right? that before, you know, so I just think, you know, so often when we have a sub when we're out, we're just like, Oh, they're going to be behind. But I don't think we need to look at it like that anymore. I think we have so many. I agree. Now. I think that's a huge positive and great takeaway from this year because the days that I've had to be out because the Google Slides, gay Google Slides are already embedded in Schoology. Right. The kids already have access to my lesson. So I've left other things just in case Um, maybe technology didn't work or I did run into a a day where like Schoology was down while I was out in the afternoon. And and, um, so I always left something else. But for the most part, my students have just been on track because the audio or video is already embedded and they just follow along with the lesson you know Uh, so I think that's been fantastic for sure yeah anything else are there any other tools you wanted to talk about or anything else you want to mention with this year or next year I just thank everyone for hanging in there proud of all of us it's been a year it's been crazy I have a lot of empathy for those of you who've been in person the whole year and just that the amount of change like you talked about and I've talked to you about this before like I'm not naturally a really anxious person but my anxiety really comes out when there's unknown change. And yes. for all of the per- people teaching in person this year, there was so much unknown change. I think yes. I would have been a complete mess the whole year. So I have a lot of- But on the other- side of that coin, I am so impressed with you. To me, not having that in-person interaction would have sent me reeling. So I commend you for being home because even though it's stressful, I still had the safety of, I still got to, well, I couldn't close my door this year. Right. <laughs> because of air ventilation, but I still just got to like be in, in face present with kids. Yes. And so 
there was a little bit of that, like muscle memory that would click in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like you didn't have any of that. Yeah. You know, there's no muscle memory in what you've been teaching. So, uh, and like a lot of this were new to me too. They weren't, yeah. I don't think there was an way. easy way for this year to go for any teacher. No. So I think everybody out there is picking butt. Yeah, for sure. That's really the thing. And for those <laughs> of you who are, who are listening and are first year teachers. Wow. <laughs> you just, I cannot believe. Like, like you deserve a massage, you deserve Friday, yeah. you deserve a nice vacation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But Take yeah. the trip. Yes. That's what we're learning, right? Yeah. Take the trip, see the people you love. Yeah. Do the thing. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about what we're consuming? Yes. What are you consuming? I, Scott and I found this awesome series called Russian Doll. Have you ever heard of it? One of my graduating class, one of the guys that I went to Otterbein with is in it. Really? But I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. What, do you know His what character Jeremy he is? Bob. I don't know what character he is, but if you look up Jeremy Bob, he's been in both seasons, I think. Okay. Okay. I will look that up. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So I hear it's really good it's because so good. a lot of my Otterbein alums follow it and watch it, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. So it's on Netflix and I won't give too much away. I'll just tell you, it's kind of like Groundhog Day, but with a twist. Okay. And it is. And I love the girl in it. She has been an actress for a long time, right? Natasha something. Yes. I can't remember Um, her last name. I know her first name. I love her. I really like her character a lot. I like her acting and the storyline is really intriguing. We binged it. We don't normally do that where we just, because they're like short episodes. I want to say they're half an hour and just really intriguing. So yeah, I highly recommend Russian Doll. What about you? Fun. I have been embracing my former love of vampires. <laughs> so I have been reading all sorts of fantasy, like sort of an updated Anne Rice category. Okay. So like does silly fantasy romance, just embracing it because right. it's total escapism, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've fallen in love with two authors, Sarah Moss. I'm not sure how you say her last name. She wrote a series called A Court of Thorns and Roses, which is going to become a Hulu series. So I wanted to read that because Uh I thought, well, this will be fun. So it's kind of like Bridgerton with fairies and vampires, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. Like super high fantasy. And then this fantasy author, Jennifer Laramont, wrote, is, is currently writing the Blood and Ash series, which is like all about this girl who just totally kicks butt all over the place. But it's in a fantasy world with vampires and werewolf yeah interesting that's where I'm at yeah <laughs> that sounds fun. just totally random <laughs> yeah. well, it was so good talking to you Katie good talking to you as always yeah it's good to you know even though this year like we said is has been super challenging it's good to talk about the good things and how we can learn from this you know yeah I do think there's a lot of positive that's come out of it you know completely unexpected but yeah you know if we can learn from it that's great and if our and hopefully I was just gonna say hopefully listeners are vaccinated yeah go ahead No, it's okay. Yeah. Hopefully people are vaccinated and can get out there a little bit more and see family. I know um, next week I get to see my mom and my stepdad for the first time since December, 2019. Oh my God. Yeah. That's wonderful. I live in Michigan. See them. Yeah. Yeah. They live in Michigan. 
and like Metro Detroit area. And my mom has severe emphysema. So we were just weren't willing to risk it. She's, but everyone's fully vaccinated except Macy. So my oldest daughter, Jenna, who's 17, she's vaccinated, which happened a lot sooner than we thought it would. And that's very exciting. So the only person in our household, yeah, as of Monday, Scott will be completely vaccinated and, and Jenna and I are all, cause it'll be like two weeks after the shot or whatever. Yeah. So we'll get to see my parents. And then the week after that, we get to see his parents because everyone there is fully vaccinated. So it's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. And this will be the last podcast for a little bit. I'm going to take a little bit of a break here going into summer. Um, So just want to let listeners know that and then I'll be back. I don't know. I need to figure that out. But like, you know, end of July, beginning of August sometime, I'll be back. Um, But just taking a little break. That's great. I think we all deserve to breathe. Just take a little, little breather. Yeah, I hope everybody has a good, relaxing summer because you all deserve it. Yay, we made it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. And Katie, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having me as always. All right. Bye. Bye.